was the one that survived the number and made the team as a drafted free agent out of Wisconsin. And now Wicks. Everybody, it's episode 45 of All About the Birds. Phil Stifel and Johnny Uleka here, and we're going to be uh, joined by Prince Blue uh, at Real Prince Blue around 9:30 or so. So that's something uh, to look forward to. Uh, we're going to break down the Eagles' Week Four matchup Sunday night prime time against the 49ers. A uh, lot to get into. A uh, lot of injuries on both sides, Eagles and the Niners. So. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll touch on uh, some matchups. We'll touch on the press conferences. And the first thing is talk. If you want to talk about Phil, we can uh, discuss some of the press conferences and get into the injuries. I mean, well, let's let's go down today's injury injury news. The uh, the update for this week uh, did not practice today for the Eagles. You know, Ortega Whiteside did not practice. Uh, Jamal Brown, Fletcher Cox, uh, Driscoll, Rudy Ford. Deshaun Jackson, Maddox as expected, Trevor Williams, all did not practice today. Uh, Alshon Jeffries, Lane Johnson, uh, Jason Kelsey, and uh, Miles Sanders all practiced in a limited capacity. So it's the same narrative that we've talked about for the last four weeks that we talked about all year last year. Injuries, injuries, injuries. And, uh, yeah, of course, sorry. I've, you know, Great job introducing the show here, Johnny. You forgot to mention Jeff is not in tonight. Uh, we are giving our best well wishes to Jeff as he is uh, not feeling too well. He's uh, had some issues, and uh, we hope to get him back by Sunday for the postgame show. Uh, I know he's in a lot of pain. He's probably not watching because he's not a, you know, a team player like that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but no, all joking aside, we hope, we hope Jeff's feeling much yeah. better. I'm sure uh, his wife is doing a great job taking care of him. Uh, but, yeah, same old injuries, same old issues with the Eagles. So it's it's time, as they said in the press conferences, uh, next, especially Jim Schwartz said it, that's the next man up routine. Um, so it's the next man up for the Eagles. And, you know, we're going to go into this game probably with my favorite Greg Ward and Jonathan Hightowers, our starting wide receivers. And we're not sure about some of the other positions. Yeah. It did. It sucks because, you know, you have these these players we thought that were going to take those next steps, and especially in Whiteside. I thought he was he would take that next step and show you a little bit of something, and he's given you absolutely nothing. And he's either he's hurt or – and then you also have with Goddard going on IR, who he was put on IR with a fracture, um, fracture I think a slight fracture in the ankle – and the other thing was Jalen Rager was put on IR today, which is surprising because I'm not sure why he wasn't put on last week because it's a three-week, so now it's three weeks from now. So that's another thing that's surprising. Unless he's supposed to be out a lot longer, that could be the possibility. But Well, uh, you know, Doug Peterson in his press conference, I mean, he, he's been making a lot of snarky comments and a lot of issues and all. But, uh, I mean, basically said with the way the new rosters are constructed this year, it wasn't a big deal, so they were just hoping that he might make a quick recovery. 
I don't know if that's uh, accurate or not, but that's basically uh, how that went, he said. Uh, but yeah, Jonathan Hightower, um, it comes down to timing and uh, and confidence from Carson Wentz in Jonathan Hightower. Uh, if, you, if you look at the film breakdown from last week, there were moments when Jonathan Hightower was open and Carson wasn't looking his way. Um, he got, he, he got open a number of digest times. digest about Carson Wentz in general right now. Um, I've retired my hashtag, as I've said on the postgame show. Um, Carson just is not playing confident football right now. Um, his mechanics are all over the place. His mind is wandering. He's quick to, to, to dump off on the, to, to Miles Sanders or whoever's coming out of the backfield. Um, he, he just does not look like a, a confident quarterback that has any confidence in any of his receivers, his offensive line. I pointed it out um, in the postgame show. There was a specific play in the second quarter when uh, Carson Wentz, instead of looking downfield, and when you, you look at the replay, there were open men downfield. He was looking at left tackle Jason Peters because he had zero confidence that Jason Peters was going to protect his blind side. So his eyes were off to the side the entire time instead of looking downfield. So there's definitely something to really talk about there. What is wrong with Carson Wentz? What is wrong with him physically? And I'm sure almost it's more mentally with him at this point. And and the thing with – what's up, Jason? And Our great fantasy uh, writer, uh, Jason Sullivan, does the show with me every Thursday night at 8.30, breaking down – all the fantasy and gambling information that's going on in the NFL. And, you know, talking about, like, Peters, and that he just has – he looks like a 38-year-old offensive lineman. And um, San Francisco does have a good pass rush, but they are going to be missing a few guys. Nick Bosa's out, um, and you have Solomon Thomas is out, and D. Ford looks like he possibly won't be playing either. But, you know, Cincinnati didn't have the greatest pass rush, and they were just pushing Peters – around like a rag doll and that's I've never seen Jason Peters look that bad and look like being pushed around and basically bullied on the field it just that's very concerning especially when you have a couple of young guys that are sitting behind and I know I mentioned uh to you to you Phil about you know <clears throat> holding these young guys back to put I understand you pay Jason Peters but you know there needs to be some accountability if he's struggling and he's not playing the way he needs to be playing What's the difference to play a younger player on that side? You know, confidence. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's a it's a confidence thing. I mean, I just I know I just said Carson is lacking the confidence in Jason Peters, but at least there's some familiarity there. Um, when you when you put if you're going to put a Driscoll or you're going to put Mylata over there, there's no you know nothing there. You know, what I mean, there's no experience, there's no confidence, there's no you know th- 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 you, you can't. You can't just totally, you know, switch it up on Carson like that. I mean, he's already dealing with no wide receivers. The loss of Dallas Goddard, um, his confidence is already shaken with these guys that are out there now. If you change it up even more, it, it, it's going to be much worse. Um, so you kind of have to roll with Jason Peters as long as he's healthy. The bigger issue with me with Jason Peters um, is the fact that the rumors, and again, they're just rumors, um, at the end of the game in overtime there, he came out of the game late. Because, you know, what was first reported as like a, a, a bone bruise or a thigh bruise. He got banged in the thigh. But then there's the rumors coming out that he was just tired. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're in a crunch game in overtime there, yeah. you gotta, you got to suck it up. And when, when you got two minutes left in overtime of a tie ball game, you just need to stay out there and just two. man up, 
dog up and get out there and block. It's too many because rest that, days. Unacceptable, you know, that's unacceptable for a guy that just asked for a raise to move. You know, that, that's pretty unacceptable at that point. Well, he has too many rest days during the week. He's not in shape. It, it's kind of like that, you know, Joel Embiid, the rest days all the time, you know, not ready for the playoffs. You know, you're saving all these guys for the stretch run. Well, the stretch run starts this week against San Francisco. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you, we, we said last week was must win. If that wasn't must win, this week Absolutely. is must win now. You know, we're looking at a schedule going forward, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Ravens. You know, we've got such a difficult schedule coming up. It is must win this week, right now. And you can see it in the press conferences of Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson. Not really with Jim Schwartz, because um, Jim Schwartz has no... Uh, no emotion. No anything. He, he, he's just a straight board, tells it as it is kind of guy. And we got uh, John or Jim Higgins Jim checking Higgins. in. What's up, Jim? They're, they're holding out on us? Yeah, they, they, they're holding out... Yeah, no, yeah. they're not holding out. They're, they're, they're they just not playing to, well. Yeah, they need to go all in right now because the season the season hangs in the balance. You're only a half a game out in the division. You know, six wins, seven wins may win this division. You know, so you're not totally out of it right now. My Super Bowl chances for the Eagles are still there. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all on the line this week. And like I said... You could see it. I don't. I know you said you didn't watch Doug Peterson's press conference uh, today, but I don't know if you watched any of the post game press conference after Sunday's game. Also, he's getting co- pretty snarky. Oh pretty, yeah. You know, you can tell the frustration levels are are boiling over. And he he was asked a question today. Let me find my notes here. He was asked today, where is it here? Why fans should be confident that they can win going against San Francisco at their o- after what they've done in their o two and one. Why should fans be confident? And he said, his answer to the reporter was, even if we were 3-0, and you'd ask that same stupid question. You know, you can just tell. But you're not 3-0. and You're 0-2-1. Exactly. And we're not asking that question at 3-0. and We're asking it, you know, the way it is now. Yeah, they're killing me too. Yeah. They're killing all of us right yeah. now. They're taking years off our lives right now. It's, it, there's no doubt about that. But, yeah, so you can definitely tell that he's getting frustrated um, the typical confident, you know, you can tell with his play calling not being aggressive, but the yeah. confidence of Doug Peterson is just not there. And you can hear it in his voice. You can hear it when he's answering questions. When you just look at his face, you know, there's no smile. There's no spark there. And, uh, you know, I've always said a team takes on the personality of their coach. Yeah. And the personality of the coach right now is down, dejected, and out, and lost the confidence. And that's not how we're going to go forward and win against San Francisco this week. No, they. And the thing is, they're the big thing with San Francisco is this is the absolute perfect time to beat San Francisco with everyone that they're possibly going to be missing. Their injury report is just as bad as the Eagles. Yeah, I so, mean, they got, but, today didn't practice. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't practice. D. Ford, uh, Dre Greenlaw, uh, Moser, Jordan Reed. You know, Kittle did practice today, and that is, like, obviously the biggest matchup of the week. We don't even need to have the, the three key matchups this week. There's only one matchup it's this week. We, we, we'll get into that. But it, but it's, it's, it's Kittle. I mean, Kittle, Kittle, Kittle. I mean, how, how do you stop Kittle? Nate and Gary, he, come on. What's that? Nate Gary. Yeah, Nate Gary sucks. <laughs> I mean, Jim checking in again. Please can't handle another loss. Yeah, no. We we we're, the, the seat. It's a must-win game, Jim. We, yeah. we we have to win. They have to it's win. It's obvious. There, there's no way you can go to 0-3 and one. 
and then next week play against Pittsburgh, then the following week the Ravens. Like I said, if we don't win this week, there's a chance that this could be an 05 and one, 06 and one before we get that you know first win, which we assume will be against the Giants when we play the Giants. But even then, who knows what Hopefully. this team is going to look like at that point? Because if we go 03 and one, 04 and one, 05 and one, some trades are going to start rolling out of this team to 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 to, to move forward and get some more draft picks and all. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, the, the the big thing with with the 49ers and you know you have with Mostert and I know Jarrett McKinnon practiced but he was banged up. You know if you have no Garoppolo and you have Mullins, Mullins isn't you know he's an okay quarterback, okay backup. We'll do a lot of the checkdowns and dump offs, but the the bigger thing is not having Jordan Reed. Yeah, you have Kittle. You got to focus on Kittle. Make their receivers, you know, beat you. I know they have a rookie, Brandon Ayu. And you have Kendrick Bourne, Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor. They're not they're not household names. You have to take Kittle away, double team him, whatever you have to do. Stop the run because they like to run the ball a lot. But the thing with San Francisco, they do a lot of kind of what LA does. A lot of that extra motion, a lot of that and you and you talked about that in the preview for the Rams. And it was the communication. And that's what they need to be do need to be doing. Now, I don't know with the defense Getting eight sacks last week. I know Schwartz blitzed here and there, a couple uh, DBs blitzing and doing a couple different things. Um, I feel like he has to kind of do that as as well this week. You have to kind of change it up. Um, he's not really one to do that. He's one to stick to a game plan. But hopefully times have changed and defense get a little bit more um, confidence in them uh, because with the way the offense is playing, I don't know how many points you're going to score. You know, last week we talked about Doug Peterson needing to run the ball. You know, focus on the run. You're playing the worst run defense. You're playing – and what what do they do? In the first quarter, they give Miles Sanders the ball. And then in the second quarter, they give it to him one time, and they don't run the ball with him? Like Because he was tired, I yeah. think, was the excuse. Or they are, you know, he hasn't gotten enough work. You know, well, stop resting your guys during the week, yeah. and maybe they'll get enough work and they'll get there's, into game shape and stuff like that. There's too many excuses. You know, it's – you know – it's on Doug too. You have to be better at game playing. It'd be better. And this, I'll, oh, we got to get better. And Carson's been saying too, because he's been struggling, and we've talked about that. About Carson, I have to do better. I have to. I ha- I'll get better. I'll do. There's only so many times you can say that. And I know people, uh, people are talking about, oh, should they bench Carson and all that kind of stuff. I don't agree with that uh, because Jalen Hurts isn't ready. You're not going to rely on Nate Sudfeld. I. And and to compare it to the 2008 season with McNabb that he was benched and all that, that means nothing. It's a totally different situation. Exactly. So you, especially in a stretch where you play the 49ers, you play the Steelers, and you play the Ravens, you play those hard, tough teams. You're not going to throw a rookie quarterback in into the the shuffle. If Carson keeps struggling, maybe you think about it. But you, he, I think he'll work his kinks out, and I think it showed you towards the end of that game him running for the touchdown, him leading to the game-tying drive, and then in overtime making a couple uh, nice plays. And then, of course, unfortunately, the holding play and then the false start with the field goal attempt and, you know, all that. But I feel like there is a little bit of a, you know, turning the tide, but he's, he's got to start doing it or else it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get let any me, better. Let me, let me say this right here and now. There's no way. I know I've retired. the. the I won't say it. The hashtag. I won't say Don't what say it is. It. I've retired it. I'm not using the word anymore this year. But there's no way, shape, or form that Carson Wentz is getting benched anytime soon. It would take 
10 weeks of not winning a game till even Doug Peterson will even slightly consider it. Carson is our quarterback. Carson is our quarterback this year. Um, Jalen Hurts is not ready to start. He has had minimal work. You know, yeah, he ran three RPOs. You know, I mean, he fumbled on one. He got a first down on another and did not much on the other. J- Jalen Hurts, he, he might, you know, get some action in the fourth quarter here or there or a blowout, but there's no way, shape, or form that Jalen Hurts is is starting a game this year. It's, it's just not going to happen. But I want to talk – you had said something before that yeah. about – it being a lot like the Rams, and there's a lot of dipsy do, a lot of trickery that really leads to the same thing. You know, basic plays that you know don't go anywhere. Uh, the uh, with the 49ers offense, and Jim Schwartz was asked about that in his press conference, and he basically said Shanahan's been running the same offense for since the you know he said he, he Jim Schwartz faced him when he was a Detroit coach, the Buffalo defensive coordinator. Well, wherever he was before Detroit, I forget where that was. Literally, Jim Schwartz is like, I've been going up against Kyle Shanahan for 15 years now. He's been running the same offense the entire time. It's all about communication on defense. It's all about, you know, knowing your assignments, staying in your lanes. But we saw with the Rams that they couldn't do that. And that's where the problem is. If you're going to say that there's all eyewash, I think was the word I used during Rams week. All this eyewash, you got to stay in your lanes and stay with your assignments. But yet, on the flip side, they couldn't do that. So whether that's personnel or bad communication, you know you're not going to get an answer out of Jim Schwartz on that. But that's, you know, you know I, I wanted to make sure that he, he knows that that's the situation. He just won't tell you why that that isn't working out properly. So, Yeah, the thing is, I, for you to... Yes, get well, Jeff. Yeah. No, yes, I... this team, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I want you to, when, when you get a second, I want you to bring up that uh, that poll that you ran. Yeah, I will bring that. Anyway, up. finish your thought. Um, but you know, talking about you know, Jim Sports saying I've I've coached against him, I've coached against him, I've coached against him, and he runs the same thing. Well, if they struggle like they struggled against the Rams, with what happened, the communication and and all of that, there's a bigger issue there. Either. Well, I think we think some of the players on that defense are the wrong players who shouldn't be starting, especially uh, when repeatedly they're missing assignments, missing tackles, and getting beat numerous times. There's only so much, like we've said, accountability. And especially when beginning of the season, we've I said it was I thought they were going to start 3-0, and and then – at the end of the year, I thought they would finish about 500 and you know be close to a playoff spot. Well, they didn't get one win out of those three games. So, right there, they're on the back. Plus, they I think they have the hardest schedule remaining. So, you play a team like the 49ers and you go out there and struggle against basically like the same exact offense that you played in week two, where you should have learned a lot by watching the tape and watching them do you know maintaining your your gaps and the spacing and making sure that you're not biting and that's one thing that the linebackers seem to be doing a lot of especially early in the season is either play action fakes or they're just they're being way too aggressive and biting on it and leaving wide open lanes for either tight ends or crossers or even on sweeps that they're biting too much and it's just they have to 
Hone, hone. Honestly, honestly, I mean, we're dancing on something. It, it, it also comes down to Jim Schwartz's scheme. Yeah, Jim Schwartz it. is the coach of the defense. He calls all the plays. Doug Peterson barely puts his finger on that defense. It's all and on Jim. It, it, it's, it's all Jim. Jim is the head coach of that defense. He has a lot of say, a lot more than people realize on the uh, the personnel that are selected for that defense and all. And the, the, he, he was basically in a roundabout way asked about the Sticks defense during his press conference. And he was asked why Your he favorite wants defense. my favorite defense in the NFL. I mean, I love that defense more than the wide nine, um, which I don't love either. Um, and he was basically said, you know, he, he danced around it and he called it. Um, yeah, Anthony's bringing it up. Uh, let's see here. He says uh, the Jim Schwartz bullshit third and 15 defense. Yeah, blitz. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he should have blitzed or played a different form of defense. How many times that defense really worked? But he basically he described it as as a kickoff style defense. You're it's you're you're supposed to be pushing forward, not sitting back. And and he he was, he was making excuses to an extent that they just missed their that on a kickoff you have to hit your gaps in your and your and your in your your lanes. And that's what you have to do on that. I call it the sticks defense. He called it something else. I didn't. I don't remember what he called it. But they just missed all their lanes, and that's why it doesn't work. It didn't work that time, but it does tend to work a lot. He basically said, which I cannot remember the last time I saw him run that six defense, and it actually was successful. But yeah, yeah, it comes down to Jim Schwartz. It comes down to his lack of aggressiveness. It comes down to him not having these guys ready to play. He was asked about Taylor and Bradley, you know, the rookie linebackers, and if we'll see them again, a roundabout question asking because Nathan Geary is just trash. You know, he, he can't cover whatsoever. And he basically said, without saying it, that those two linebackers are just not ready to play. So who knows how slowly they're developing if they look worse than what Nathan Geary is out there right now looking like. Because, you know, they're not, not, you know, they can't be much worse than Geary. Yeah. But obviously, he says they're prepared to play on the playbook. They know their roles. They know this or that. But obviously, if he's not putting them out there, they're not ready to go yet. Exactly. And... Yeah, fatigued. Seven yards of carry, exactly. And I, I just couldn't get. I, I didn't get it. I it makes so, no sense. I, mean, I, I figured by this point, with the with the with the lack of uh, discipline, with the lack of success that this defense is having, that we would have seen Taylor by now. I would have loved to have seen uh, Kayvon Wallace get some snaps. Exactly. You know, last week, you know, maybe this week and all. But there's something that's holding them back. I'm not sure whether it's preparedness during the week. These guys just aren't good, which then goes to the other comment that was earlier, that it's Doug, or not Doug or Carson, Howie. it's you know, Howie Roseman. You know, maybe not, you know, it, maybe it's that, that's the wrong personnel that has been brought in through the draft. But you get the, 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 the GM picks these players, it's up to the coaches to get these guys ready to go. Yeah. You know, it's up to them to coach them. I know it's been a different offseason and a difficult offseason, but you know what? Other teams are doing it. There's other starters out there, other people in the first two, three rounds of this draft that are making an impact right now. And nobody, not one player in the Eagles you know, draft class this year, other than a very brief moment of Jack Driscoll, not one guy is making an impact right now. And that's so it. it comes back to Howie Roseman and Howie Roseman you know, building of this team. Do and you have that uh, poll that you ran? I do have the poll. So I ran a poll on, I think it was Monday morning, uh, who was the most to blame for the Eagles' 0-2-1 start? And we had 525 votes. And... 28% had Doug Peterson, 25% said Carson Wentz, 5% was other, but the majority, the 42% was Howie Roseman. And, you know, to, to 
go off of that. I know during the game I mentioned that there was two players on Cincinnati, two linebackers, Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither, who both made made plays. And you could have had him them either the second round or the third round. And you took Jalen Hurts and you took Davian Taylor. Both aren't even seeing the field. Hurts, yeah, okay, RPO here and there, one, two plays a game. But Davian Taylor is seeing maybe special teams, but that's about it. And you could have had guys that actually be playing in the defense and getting more reps. Or, or, you, could, or you could even flip it to the offense. I mean, you look at what Justin Jefferson yeah. did, you know, this week for Minnesota. You know, you look at other guys that Xavier McKinney was on the board in the first or second round. There were guys available, and you picked guys. And Jalen Rager may turn out to be a good wide receiver someday. But he was projected by all accounts not to be a first. He was not a first-round great at wide receiver. They wanted him. They want their speed. And I understand that. Well, then, if that's the case, trade back. You I know? think. The Jalen Hurts pick, though, is the one that frustrates me the most. And, and I love Jalen Hurts. He's one of my favorite college quarterbacks over the last three, four years. I love his game. I love his style. Um, I feel like he got a bad rap in Alabama, getting benched because of an injury and all. Never even got a chance to get his job back. But there were so many players that were there on the board with that second-round pick. So many guys that are already making an impact. You name the two from Cincinnati, there, there's a dozen more that we can name. Van Jefferson. He's Van Jefferson. The, yeah, he made a couple nice catches against the Eagles. A, T. T. Higgins was taken right around that point. I think he, T. He, T. Higgins he, was 33. Higgins, like two or three picks earlier. But still, I mean, there, there were players at that point in the second round that could have made an immediate impact and you're seeing that right now and the problems that's causing right now. Just that we, we just don't have anybody. Anyway. It's it you gotta stop reading the questions like as you're trying to say something. Yeah. Um the other thing is like there was another guy, I don't know if you watched the Monday night game. I know um we'll get into that um about my team beating your team in fantasy, but the Chiefs had a linebacker. Willie Gay, all over the field. Another guy that was taken after Jalen Hurts. So, you know, we can go on and on about it, but... And, and you know what, there, and there's every single draft in every single sport. A player gets skipped over. It happens oh, yeah. all the time. But when you have pressing needs, to, and, and we had playoff and Super Bowl aspirations, as we are led to believe we did, and you draft a developmental quarterback in the second round. When there's that's all these where the problem comes. And you know, we have so many holes. We talked about it all off season. We've talked about it now. You know, all these injuries. You know, the wide receiver cores are just. You know, we're relying on a fifth and fifth round wide receiver and Jonathan Hightower to start probably this week. You know, Quez Watkins, who hasn't even practiced all week, might get a shot in the game this week. He was a sixth round pick. You know, it just. We, we could have done so much better. We're worried about Trevor Williams, whether he's going to be healthy to play this week. He was a practice squad such a guy that was cast off of other teams. Now, he's got NFL experience. He's got starting experience. But if you're cast off of bad teams, it doesn't say much that you're that much of an impact player. There's players that could have been done. So that's why, I mean, you say Howie had 42% of the votes. I mean, that's where my vote goes. That's where I put my vote, that Howie Roseman is the most to blame right now. Yeah, and, you know, you have these needs, and we know the needs as fans. I think you know, at educated fans watching and knowing what your team needs, and 
Yeah, yeah, DK Metcalf. Absolutely. I'm tired. I don't want to talk about DK yeah. Metcalf anymore. Because honestly, I'll let you get back to your point in a second, but I want to address Anthony's you know point there. I have no confidence in, and I've said this a dozen times, I've gotten bashed all over social media for it, zero confidence that if DK Metcalf was drafted here and Ortega Whiteside went to Seattle, Ortega Whiteside would be putting up two, three touchdowns a game, and DK Metcalf would be sitting on our bench with, how many catches does he have right now to Ortega Whiteside this year? As many as we do. Exactly. Big zero. Big zero. Yeah, I, I have no confidence in our ability to uh, to develop wide receivers. Zero. That's why I'm not excited about Hightower. Well, I'm not excited about you know Quez Watkins because I just don't trust our team. Who have they drafted uh, since Macklin in 09 to give you nobody. that that hope? No, nobody. They Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff, Shelton Gibson, Riley like, Cooper, Riley. Like it just it doesn't give you any confidence and. The problem is, yeah, it's development, but there's been a lot of different coaching staffs. So, you know, there's there's a lot of issues, but there's been and one. And that comes back to Carson. Carson has no confidence in these guys. Yeah. But, you know, and, and the reason he doesn't have confidence is because these guys are not like ultra talented. You know, Alshon Jeffries, Deshaun Jackson, these guys have skill, but they're older, they're injury prone. You know, the guy that, he, that you notice, he doesn't ever have problem pulling the trigger, throwing to Zach Ertz. You know, an all-pro potential Hall of Fame tight end, does he? No, because that's guy that's actually, you know, he has the confidence because he knows the guy's going to catch the ball. He, you know, he, he's not going to throw, you know, a tight pass into double coverage for Jonathan Hightower because he doesn't have the confidence that Hightower's going to go up and make that play. He did it week one to Ortega Whiteside, and it got picked off, and he got bashed for throwing that pass because, you know, whether it was a good pass or not, it wasn't a good pass. Or it wasn't a good look. It wasn't. He shouldn't have thrown that to begin with. But you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Kind of in that situation, you give the guy talent, which there was talent on the board in the draft. The draft, you know, you could have gone out and up traded up with Atlanta. You could have gotten C.D. Lamb. And if you didn't want to get C.D. Lamb, you could have gotten Justin Jefferson. You know, again, like I said, Jalen Rager, I like him. I hope he does really well in the, for this team. But you know, you had a guy that's making an immediate impact right now. And Kirk Cousins is a terrible quarterback. Yeah. And he's making an impact with and, Kirk Cousins. And even even uh, the 49ers, Brandon Ayu, who's one of their uh, receivers, one of their starters, who um, had a touchdown on Sunday against the Giants. And he's showing some potential there as well. So, you know, you have – it's tough, but the one constant with all these receivers and all these drafts and everything, the one constant is Howie Roseman. So, you know, it's – it sucks because it's going to be super it's going to be magnified because of the start and even look at 2018 and 2019 where they start 5 and 7 both of those you know it's it gets old when you keep starting so so slow there's something that needs to change but you know with that you know sometimes you got to pay the bills a little bit the eagles uh, again but uh, thank you Jim yeah. and Thank yeah, you, the show's not over, boys. We're, we're still over. going. We're still commercial. We still got another 20, 30 minutes to go here. But uh, you want to talk a little bit about fantasy? Uh, we can do that, especially uh, since you're into, you know, pumping up some uh, product. You pump, pump up your show you guys have on Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, we're doing uh, Jason Sullivan and uh, Josh Gamble. His real name is Gamble. Uh, two great writers from, uh, you know, the All About the Birds website, AATBirds.com. We do a show now every Thursday night at 830 Right here, same place, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, depending on where you're watching right now. And we get really in-depth, you know, all the best stacks, all the best sleepers, the fades, everything. 
on fantasy, and then Josh Gamble. He breaks down all the best money lines, all the best gambling lines, any of the over-unders. I mean, crushed me last week. He was so sure about the Titans, and the Titans game killed me. I know it killed him, too. Uh, but definitely tune in um, on all these All About the Bird networks to our fantasy and gambling show. If you got an idea for a name for the show, uh, we would definitely appreciate that. We definitely need a name. Uh, we haven't come up with one, but yeah, definitely. And I know Johnny wants to get right into the fact that he beat me in fantasy last week. I, I know. I know he wants to. I got crushed last week. I'm still 2-1, and one, still ahead of him, which I believe he's 1-2. and two. Uh, But yeah, I don't even know how Jeff did with his team. I think Jeff won as well. I think his, his team... Okay. So Jeff is definitely leading the way at three and zero. Like I told you last year, he finished undefeated and lost. So yeah, I've done that before too. Uh, it's all it's all it's all good. But what so, else yeah. about your fancy show? You know, would be even better is if uh, I think Josh Gamble needs to get either a money suit or like a dice suit and wear it on okay. the show. Uh, that'd be pretty fine. I mean, I, I swear when I when we did the first show, I had never met him other than talking on Messenger, and I did not believe his name was Gamble. I really did not. A guy that is a fantasy a gambling expert. With the name Gamble, Gamble. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a riot. I love it. Love it. But the, those guys are great. They're really smart. They really know their stuff. So, Do you have any, any fantasy pick, any daily picks or anything? I mean, I mean, uh, we'll get into it more in detail tomorrow night. But as a quick search, and when I was doing some basic research today, I love the Seattle-Miami game. Love it for multiple reasons. Um, obviously, Russell Wilson's having an MVP caliber year. I mean, he's got what fourteen touchdowns already in three games. Yeah. I don't think I don't even know if anybody's ever done that. I before. think he's the only one to do that. Yeah, it, it, it's an insane number. Um, so if you're going to do an expensive stack, I'm going to go with because it could cost you a lot of money on DraftKings. I'm going to go with Wilson and Tyler Lockett because Miami's defense is trash. Um, but on a sneaky side of the thing, if you want to go with a cheap stack or a game stack. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick at 5,700 on DraftKings this week is a really sneaky play. He's a top five. He's been top five the last two weeks in fantasy points per game. Seattle's defense is good, but it's not what it used to be. It's not the Legion of Boom. It's in Miami. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the magic is still there this year. And, you know, you could go something with Ryan Fitzpatrick and then play, you know, Devontae Parker and Tyler Lockett. You know, you could do something like that and still have a lot of money left over to really, like, really bulk up on top-tier running backs. Um, you know, it's, it's something to look for. Uh, but I'm going to get, you know, Jason's opinion on that tomorrow night on the show and see if I'm completely off base or not on that one. And if you want to get into the Uleka locks, we can do that. I know Jeff is not uh, with us. Yeah, we'll get his locks and we'll get them up on the website at some point, you know, in between pain pills that he's taking or, you know, whatever they're giving him in the hospital right now. <laughs> Uh, my, my three picks this week, I don't even know. How did we do last week? Um, I think we all fin- – I thought we all finished the same. I know I know with the picks. I, I, don't, think even all- know. I don't even know what picks I made last week. Well, I was kind of on vacation. I was just kind of going on the seat of my pants. You were just going about it. But, no, like our actual picks, our NFL picks that we usually make that gets posted every week on uh, ATBirds.com, I think we all finished 10 and 6. So um, – that is a very good possibility. I have I have the picks here. So last week, Jeff and Jeff, who's three and three overall in the Uleka Locks, uh, he finished at one and two. Uh, me, I w- I'm three and three as well. Uh, I finished the the same one and two. And then you. I know the Titans beat me last week, so that's the only one I know. What were my picks? The Titans and who else? So last week you had the Bills at two and a half over the Rams. Yep. 
which you had they won by three, so I got that one. The Cardinals, minus six over the Lions. You lost Card- that. Seattle, minus five over the Cowboys. So you were two and oh, one. Oh, I did. I, I, thought, I thought I picked the Titans. I thought I took Seattle. There we go. So I went two and one last yeah, week. Jeff, Jeff had the 49ers, minus four over the Giants. We won that. He had the Titans, minus two and a half over the Vikings. We lost that. And he had the Falcons, minus three over the Bears. And he lost that. Um, so, actually. All right. I, so, this, this, so this week I've got, I'm going to go with, first off, my first lock of the week is as actually we'll get into the final scores at the end of the day, at the end of the show. But I'm actually going to take, just for this purpose, I would never bet money on my Eagles. It's against my rules. But if I would, I would take the Eagles plus seven this week. I really would. Because I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, it's, the, the Eagles are not as bad as their record says it is. I'm having confidence. I have the sneaky feeling. We'll get into that later. But I got the Eagles plus seven. I got the Packers minus seven. And I got Detroit plus four. Detroit's a sneaky team. Detroit is one and two. They did beat the Cards. They're at home this week again. And Detroit is literally two drives away from being a three and O team right now. So they've they've had two bad drives that have really held them back. So Detroit plus four, the Eagles plus seven, and the Packers minus seven. They're my three locks of the week. So my locks are I have Atlanta plus seven and a half. I don't know. I just think one of these weeks, something's going to go their way, maybe, unless they're going to choke it away. (laughs) Uh, You know, albeit, imagine if that was happening in Philly, what Atlanta is doing. But um, I have Indianapolis minus two and a half against the Bears. I know the Bears are coming off that great win, but I like the Colts' defense. And you know, you know Philip Rivers. I know they have they're struggling with their offense, the injuries on the wide receiving core and everything. Colt, but I almost picked that one too. The Colt, the Colts. Uh, Frank Reich knows Nick Foles. I know Nick Foles yeah. complimented him a lot this week in his press conference, saying he was the only coach that understood him. Yeah. So he knows how to play defense against Nick Foles. So Nick Foles, all you Nick Foles lovers, you Nicky W's out there, you Fran Nicky franchise guys, you know, don't expect a big game from him this week. The Colts, like I said, the Colts are a sneaky team. They're a very good good team. Uh, the other one I was going to pick, I was going to pick Buffalo just because I'm loving the 3-0 start because I had them as actually a Super Bowl champ, so I like to keep pushing that since I got laughed at. But I'm going with the Saints, minus four um, against the – I think they're playing the Lions. I understand the Lions are sneaky, but I think the Saints I, – I know, I know Drew Brees is struggling. I know – the. The Saints are struggling a little bit, but I think they'll lean heavily on Kamara, and I think that they'll they'll be able to win um, by more than that four. So those are my locks. Atlanta plus 7.5, the Colts minus 2.5, and, and the Saints minus 4. Uh, and like I said, we'll, we'll get Jeff's picks to put them up on the site with all our other NFL picks as well. Um, if you want, we can get into the – we can get into the score. Let's want to talk a little bit more about. Yeah, no, let's let's keep breaking this game down. Wait, wait, are you ready to give up already on this show? No, I'm no not Jeff, ready. You're ready to move on and just move out here? No, I mean, well, let, let let's let's get to the nitty gritty. I'm going to give you my score prediction and why and what's going to happen, and then you can tell me what you think. I actually, against all opinion, this has nothing to do with the fact that my older brother is a will is a San Francisco 49ers fan. He's the biggest homer in the world. He's only a fan when they're good. Um, he doesn't care any other time about the 49ers. If they're bad, he's busy at work. He didn't have time. But it has nothing to do with that. So I'm just using that moment. Oh, we might have a visitor. Perfect time, too. 
We might have a special guest on the show. Hey, how's it going? Was y'all know what? I was fucking in the lobby. I was like, why aren't they putting me in? And I realized I gotta enter the damn. Yeah, you have to click it. You can see us and everything, but I I've had my eye at the bottom of the screen. I was sitting here for twenty minutes. What's up, fellas? What's going on? How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm going to be in a good mood. I see that Butler jersey back there, and by all reports, Doc Rivers is on his way. We, uh, that's what I saw right before we went live. I saw Joe Dumas' uh, you know, tweet saying that they're watching the game together and he's going to be locked up. I mean, I was I don't know. This is an Eagles show, but I was a Ty Lue guy. I wanted, he was my number one choice. But once Doc Rivers became available, you know, D- Doc Rivers is a great coach, one of the best of all time. Yeah, yeah, and I think – this is what we need, guys. We need somebody that's not gonna. I'm gonna tie it into Doug. Doug is known as a a player's coach, but he also will get on you. Like he doesn't. He's like Andy, where Andy Andy would go to the moon and back for you, but that tough love when it came, it's rough. So. Oh, so saying that, I got a question. So do you think, because I thought after the last game against the Bengals, we needed a coach to go into that locker room, flip tables, throw chairs, you know, cuss out his, you know, team. I don't think, you think Doug's that kind of guy that would do that? Because I I don't see him doing that. No, I think Doug's more of the guy you see now. Like, I think Doug is very good at reading the room, and he knows. Doug is probably looking at the film, and if it's a table-flipping type game, then I think he will do that. But I think Doug is looking at it as Carson's not. It's just little things. It's things that he should be doing, and I could do a better job of getting it. So I think that's why Doug is more like, we're close. When he says we're close, he means that. So I'm thinking if it was like a total bottom-out, you-know-what type of show, then I think he would do that. But I think he feels like we're there. Like, we were a false start away from kicking the game winner. So stuff like that, he's like, okay, we're good. And I so. I mentioned it earlier in this show that you're kind of hitting San Francisco at almost the perfect time with all their injuries. You know, Eagles have injuries, but they're super depleted with the quarterback possibly being out, two running backs down. Their defense is, is hurt. No Bosa, no Solomon Thomas, possibly no Ford, no Greenlaw. There's no Sherman. So – I know you're going on the road. There's going to be no crowd, so that's not really that big of an issue. But you're kind of hitting them at the same at – at a good time with them being hurt if you have a backup quarterback in there than if everyone was healthy for San Fran. But you know what? How many times have Eagle fans we've said that? Joe Webb game. Please don't mention the Joe like, Webb game. <laughs> you're like we, like, we should do this, we should do that. Oh, yeah. Like, they have their backup offensive line in. Just suddenly Jim Schwartz defense – it's like a high school defense. They can't get pressure. They can't get this. I think right now we're at the point to where something is we, – we're getting somebody at the right time. On paper, it sounds very nice. Like, we can oh, get yeah. the backup quarterback, stuff like that. But Can't win on paper. These, yeah, these guys got to show me, man. It's, like, it's something missing. I don't know what it is. It's just – it's like and it's snowballing. I think they just need a big play or something to wake this damn team up. Everything seems like a chore right now. To get a first down is a chore. To get a deep pass is a chore. For Nate Gary to just be in the vicinity of a, of a play, it's a chore. It's just 
it's it, that was bad, uh, fellas, on Sunday. It was really, really bad. It was an awful game to watch. Yeah, it was. I sat in my chair for an hour without moving. No clap, no nothing, because I, I was like, what am I watching? And and the problem is, how many the last three seasons, so 2018, 2019, and so far this year, how many of those type of games have we seen? We've seen a number of them, of kind of like that, what the hell just happened? A couple that pop into my head is the Tennessee game, the uh, Carolina game from a couple of years ago. Those two. I was there. It was yeah. the Tennessee game. You bring that up. That was, you know, we talked before you got on the show here about the sticks defense and how bad it is and everything. And that blew the game. Didn't they, didn't they run the sticks defense at the end of the Tennessee game? Corey and Graham. During Jim Schwartz's presser today, he tried to say that the sticks defense, or yesterday, that the sticks defense, which he called it something else, isn't as bad as we think it is. He And if I want you to go back to another one, his press conference. He, that's why I, I wanted Jim Schwartz going three years ago. Brandon Graham saved that man's job. He's so arrogant. And he said that before about stick defense. He's like, well, I need to see the numbers because it's not as bad as you think. Uh, against Tennessee, two fourth and thirteens, they converted on sticks. Yep. Like Jim is like, I'm so tired of him, fellas. He's like Brett Brown. I can't, I can't enjoy the defense anymore while he's here. I just, I just can't. Yeah. Most people don't realize that in his career as a defensive coordinator and a head coach, he's only twice in his whole entire career ever had a top ten defense. One year in Buffalo and the Super Bowl year. That was it. Outside of that, he's always had a 15 to 18 ranked defense, you know, a couple times really bad. But he's not this defensive guru that everybody makes him out to be. No, and I think a lot of us as Eagle fans are somewhat spoiled because of all the years of Jim Johnson and having a mastermind Uh, and and the type of players that he had. And, you know, it's just you miss that kind of – like, and that's one thing when I watch Buffalo – it's not the same, but I see little glimpses of the way Sean McDermott, and even when he was with, when he was with Carolina, it was a tiny bit. But I know Ron Rivera ran that. But with Buffalo, you can kind of see that he's got those type of players. He's got those guys rallying around him. They're running around. It's just like fun to watch. And even even a little bit with Kansas City, I know Kansas City's defense is a little bit different with Spags, um, but it's kind of like that. You have those guys there. All over the place. You got this guy blitzing from here, this guy going from there. Kind of free rushes. Exactly, and it's just you don't see that, and it's just boring. Like I don't. He is the total opposite of Doug, and I I legit think him and Doug don't get along because Doug is aggressive, and here this guy goes like Doug to score a quick seven, and Schwartz to play the defense off, and you see it. They easy completions down the yep. field, easy boom, 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 down boom, the field. Boom, boom. They're in field goal range, getting easy, easy picks. But I like what you just said about Jim Johnson. Remember, let me let me throw some moves out to you. N.D. Kalu. Yeah. Um, Brandon Whiting. Brandon Whiting. Develop players in the defense, making guys look better than what they are. They go other places, and they're not so good. Jim hasn't done that. People yeah. go other places. Uh, Bradbury. Douglas, mm-hmm. um, like, what are we doing here? And it seems like how he keeps giving him all the weapons and everything he wants, and he's not paying back the investment. Like, where's Hargrave? Like, I know he was hurt, but I'm not seeing anything special. 
Yeah, and, are y'all? And you, you want to say about the development we talked about earlier in the show because we were talking about all the different press conferences this week that Schwartz was asked about because Geary sucks. Geary's trash. We, we can all agree, right? You know, that Taylor and uh, Bradley aren't seeing the field. And he basically in a roundabout way said that they're just not ready. Well, that's on Jim Schwartz not getting them ready. That's on him not developing them. You know, they might have – maybe Howie Roseman could have made better draft selections at that moment, but they're the players he's got. He's got to make them better. He's got to coach them up. He's got to develop them. You know, Gary's the best you've got. That's not good. That means you're doing something wrong somewhere. And and the the problem is you have guys like, like Gary and guys like Marcus Epps not is playing over a rookie that you want to see some development in a rookie – and every time I think of Marcus Epps, I think of DK Metcalf catching that ball at the end of that wild card game. And what we talked about, and what you just said about development and how Jim Johnson developed players, one guy comes to mind, an undrafted free agent out of Boise State, Quentin Michael, popped right in and played well. And you All don't, pro. you don't have, you don't have that with any of these players. Yeah, they show some signs, but like you said, Rasul Douglas, Ronald Darby's playing pretty well. He's pretty, he's rated pretty well by PFF. You have a guy like Chandon Sullivan, who I watched uh, the Sunday night game with uh, the Packers. He looks pretty good. And, you know, the development of the players you have are not there. And it's it's going to keep happening. And the problem is you have all these, these corners. And the other issue is you have way too many nickel cornerbacks that can't play outside. So what happens when Avante Maddox gets hurt, you got to put Trevor Williams out there who they attack right away, and that's where the, the one touchdown to T. Higgins. But Trevor Williams is, yes, he started 47 games in the NFL, but he hasn't really made meaningful starts in a couple years. He's a, a backup. He's not a starter, and you don't have anybody else to plug in. You don't have any young guys. You don't have anybody. So that's another issue, and I know people bring it up on Harry Roseman and all that, but the thing is, it's Jim Schwartz needing to get these guys, and he, they kept saying, oh, yeah, he's – He's looking pretty good. They're, they look pretty good. Oh, the development. He said about safety is one of the hardest positions to come into the league and everything like that. And I think that's going to be the excuse why Kayvon Wallace can't see the field, apparently. But it, it Jim, he, Jim Schwartz's defense doesn't give you confidence. No. Like, look at Rasul Douglas. He kept having – they had him play off, and he would get, he would get toasted. Um, he, just the only person that's really been playing to the level that we thought is Slay. Like, he's yeah. been pretty much, like, they don't mess with him. They tried it once, and it was, like, for, like, eight yards or something. But he's producing everybody else, like, and I can't even get happy about them sacks because it was it was Cincinnati. Like, I, 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 I just don't, fellas, like, Jim really annoys me because I, I can tell. I feel like the media gives him a pass and they're always grilling Doug, but this guy can sit up here and pretty much give you his you know what to kiss and you guys laugh and joke with him, but Doug can win by 40 and y'all talking about him going on on third and three. <laughs> like, I, I just don't get it. And maybe that's why I'm extra hard on them because I'm like, y'all see the guys below average, but you're you're not attacking him. You're attacking Carson and Doug, which I understand. But how many games has that defense blown where the offense has left the field with the uh, 
with the um, W in hand. So, I don't know. I just can't get – until Schwartz is gone, I don't think – this is the most unlikable team to me since uh, Chip Kelly. Like, I just – Players mouthing off. I can't do it. I can't do it. And the other thing, I know Phil mentioned it. I want to get your take on it. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you make one little play and they're out wagging their finger and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, just make the play, go back to the huddle, get ready for the next play. Because what happens on the next play is you get burnt and then what? Then what? Or or the ball, the worst part is. It's one thing if you're up. 27 to nothing, you're a 6 and 0 team. When you're when losing. You're losing to the Bengals, you don't go celebrate a sack. When you're I, on a game. I remember when Jalen Mills first came in the league, when he was playing, I swear, it was like once he wagged his finger, they would throw the flag. I thought rest would literally be like, who do you think you are? And would like throw the flag. Because he would do a finger wag, and everybody would see, like, dude, that's past interference. Like, I've never seen people clap when a ball is overthrown. Like, all this fake energy, this is why the team annoys me. This is why they're unlikable. All the dancing before the game, but you're out with a hamstring. But all the everything else, I just can't get with it. Just play football. But when? The other, thing they're when? Not, the other thing they're not doing is taking the ball away. They have no takeaways. And it's going to be very tough, especially when – they're the worst. I guess the turnover differential. I think they're the worst. I think they're minus seven, and you don't take the ball away. You're not gonna. You're not giving your offense, your team, chances. And they don't take the ball. They're not aggressive enough, and they don't take the ball away. And Jim Schwartz is soft. His defense is yeah. it's predicated on like Jim Johnson was bent on break, but them turnovers was havoc. Yeah. Like if he saw you getting close, he'll send what fire zone blitz. And boom, strip sack Dawkins. Boom, trot, free rusher. Cornerback, free rusher. All Jim's blitzes are up the middle and they don't get home. I don't – he's so uncreative. Like, it's such a vanilla defense that I yeah. – And that's why no, quarterbacks – I've been talking bad about him since even during the Super Bowl run. I, I, I just I, – I was over him three, four years ago. But so, it's okay. If, if you go back and look at the numbers – on quarterbacks, and you you just take like either first or second year quarterbacks against his defense, and you and you line the numbers up. It's staggering on how bad it is, and how much these these quarterbacks who should be basically, you know, when Jim Johnson he attacked them and he made them try to do anything, and, and the the quarterbacks are they're putting up numbers like it's nothing, and right there is another concerning thing, and. That's why I know, like you said, with all these guys who are out against the 49ers, yeah, you get a guy that possibly will be starting. Uh, I think he's a third-year guy, Nick Mullins. You know, and you said Joe, um, like a Joe Webb type. Like if Nick Mullins comes in and winds up lighting it up, you know, yeah, on paper they're so injured, but I know they're a good, they're a good team. They're a well-coached team. Shanahan's a great but, play caller, a great play designer. He's going honestly, guys. And I'm I'm a homer to anybody else, but I'm not surprised if Nick Mullen goes for two fifty and three touchdowns. Cause that's how he doesn't do anything special to make ordinary quarterbacks uncomfortable. So that's why we look so incredibly bad when we go against the Rodgers, the Matt Ryan's, the Ben Roethlisberger's, the Russell Wilson's, the Patrick Mahomes. His defense, he the most important game of his life 
he decided to let Tom Brady get uh, easy completions. Yeah. But we could get into 506 yards. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. You know, you know, there's, there's only two people I talk bad about regularly, Jim Schwartz and Greg Ward. So, you know, you know you're, you're preaching to the choir there on that one. We want to go All over right. some predictions. Uh, Phil and I usually ahead, give a buddy. score prediction. So yeah, I uh, actually think the Eagles are going to win. I, I don't know why. I do. Yeah, I see the look on your face. Because you're a fan. I am a fan. No. Jim Shirt. So, I got the Eagles winning 27-21. So, when Nick Mullins throws three touchdowns, that's okay. All to George Kittle. That's perfect for my prediction. It's going to be all to George Kittle over Nate Gary. I'm sorry? (laughs) Yeah, probably all to to Kittle, yeah. So, people are drooling to pick Kittle in fantasy. (laughs) I'm going to skip that one. I'm going to stay away from (laughs) it. Carson Wentz right now has the 29th QBR in football. Now, Carson Wentz has proven that he might not be where my hat. So you, I don't know how much you've seen, but I used to have a hashtag. I can't say it anymore. I'm not allowed. I've retired it. But it had something to do with Wentz being elite. Um, I ranked him coming into the year as the fourth best quarterback in the league. He's not the fourth best quarterback in the league right now. But he's also not the 29th ranked quarterback in no, this No, no, no. Absolutely not. And Doug Peterson is not the worst coach in this league. You know, no, he's not the no. best, but he's not the worst. They perform best when their backs are up against the wall. They're going to perform. It's a big night, Sunday night football. They always play well in those big night games. I think the Eagles win because Carson's going to turn it around. Carson's going to show what he is made of. He's, during his press conference today, he just showed the confidence that he's ready to step up. Doug didn't have the confidence today, but Carson did. I think he's going to step up. He's going to lead this team to a victory. The defense, you're talking about the defense and Jim Schwartz. Yards per game given up, they are the sixth best defense. So while they are giving up some stupid plays, they're not getting pressure. They're also not giving up the big yards. A lot of the scores have come off of the turnovers and the short fields that they've been given. Last week, two of the turnovers, they, they, they were able to stop them on one of them, the defense, and they were able to hold, hold uh, Burrow and the Bengals to a field goal on one of the other turnovers last week. So the defense is slightly coming together there. So I think the Eagles pull it together. I think the Eagles win. Carson showed. I know, you look so frustrated right now. Uh, Eagles are going to win. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with it. You know, I, I, just, I just can't help it. I got Eagles 24, uh, San Francisco 17. See, um, you got to win it, too. You're a home I, gotta, I never said I had a win. You're me a hard time. I got to win it, but I got Nick Mullins looking like he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, too. I just got we, – we get off the snide. We get a turnover uh, Sunday night. Um, I got a 24-17. Carson has an okay game. I'm thinking one of those one – one touchdown thrown, one touchdown ran, and then I think Miles Sanders goes off. So that's what I got. Um, 24-17, Birds. Uh, well, Bill up the, the ball to Miles Sanders more than twice in the second half. That is the he, big question. He needs 25 touches. And I don't know if it's in the rule book that uh, Miles Sanders can't touch the ball two times in a row. That staggered me. Like, I brought it why up. is Buckets got touching the ball? 
Yeah. We did we did a post game show and I brought it up. It, they in the fourth quarter they were like at the eighteen yard line. He ran for seven yards on first down. They had second and three from like the ten yard line or something like that. He didn't come in for that rest of that goal line stand. And Carson had a run in it on his own. Yeah. What, 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 it wasn't like he was hurt because he was back out there and over. I, I don't get it. I said no, that he did. needed twenty five rushes last week plus some touches out of the passing game. So and he, what, what do he have? Seventeen total touches. It's 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 pathetic. Can, can, can we talk about something? Can we talk about? I said this the other day, and I don't think people picked up on it. I said, this in my opinion, I said Miles Sanders is so special that it took a once-in-a-generation athlete like Saquon to overtake him at Penn State. People don't understand. You see how, how far he was in front for that, uh, that um, oh, God, forgive me, guys. What's that, what's that pass? Wheel uh, route? The wheel route. Yeah. He was gone. He was gone. He's arguably our best wide receiver. And he, he's our best offensive weapon, and, period. And the thing I is, Earth says importance on this offense. And the thing is, he is our best player on offense. How good Saquon is and how good Miles is, Penn State has another running back, Journey Brown. Remember that name? You'll hear it in the NFL. He's unbelievable. But so they're a running back factory. Sure. We're a tight end factory. It's like the quarterback. Hey, hey. We're, we're going to move. I, I said it today. We're going to move Ortega Whiteside to tight end. Because that's the only way we can figure it out. We haven't traded Zach Ertz yet for nope. the incomparable Dallas Goddard. On IR now. <laughs> but my prediction for this game, uh, I think it's going to be a super close game. Uh, I have the Eagles winning 21-20. to 20. Wow. Uh, yeah. And three, I have three key points, which three predictions I have. I think defense, like you said, defense gets a takeaway. I think Carson's going to throw for 300 yards. Mm. And we're only going to score 21 points? Yeah. And that's that, that, that's going to be tough for those two to happen. And Greg Ward gets a touchdown. That's for you. <laughs> oh, stop it. Stop it. What? Greg Ward is the truth, yo. Greg, Greg Ward, will have... Ward is the most overrated wide receiver in the NFL. Don't you do that. Don't, don't hey. you do that. It's he a was a quarterback two months ago. Three, four. He was on this team on their practice squad in 2017, man. Come on. He has 5.7 yards per attempt thrown his way. The dude cannot get open. Like, he gets open, but he cannot, you know, get any separation. The guy is – you might as well just hand the ball off to Miles Sanders because you're going to get more – you know, distance on the field, handing the ball off, then you are going to throw it to Ward. The one thing that I kind of wish they would do, I know you may not want to do it now starting the way you, you have, but, you know, I would love to see a set where it's Carson, Jalen, and Ward and try and do something. You know, you know, try and get yeah. some creativity. They can't, creativity. They can't even not go offsides on a field goal. I know. So I don't want them muddled <laughs> with <laughs> – like Jalen fumbled the handoff the other yeah. day, a RPO. Like we, we just got to do the little things first before we start getting super creative. But that's why I said because uh, the way the, the way you are right now, you can't really do it. You kind of just have to. Yeah, you got to just try to get what you get can yards. do. Yards. <laughs> but yeah, sorry to upset you with my Greg Ward comment, but man, you take that touchdown out on Sunday. He had like forty yards on like seven catches. And it was a but you can't coverage. take the oh, touchdown yeah. away. It was important. Coverage. <laughs> Who hurt you? 
Somebody told me today that I must have lost a bet in college on Greg Ward Ward Hayes. All the hate now is is like 98% fantasy. Somebody got, I hate that douchebag. I'm like, what do you want my fantasy team? I drafted Greg Ward, okay? Fantasy. First round? In the first round? (laughs) (laughs) Greg Ward is a great number four wide receiver. I said in the offseason, if he is our leading receiver, which he's on pace to have, what, 76 catches this year, mm-hmm. if he leads this team in receptions, I said it before the year, I stand by it. We do not make the playoffs if Greg Ward is our leading wide receiver. Oh, no. Um, can we talk That's about... That's all I tried to really say. The hate's really not there. I just don't think he's a, a great number one wide receiver. Can we talk about... Like, I've never... like. I'm, I'm legit out on – I don't know if y'all talk about – I'm out on Howie. With J.J. not doing it, I'm out. Like, we, we ran a poll. We talked about it earlier. Who's most to blame? Had like 500-some votes on it. And Howie won. 42% of the votes went. Howie's to blame the most for current out. He can't – you can't tell me he's not embarrassed. Like, embarrassed. Like, well, I, I called him. Like, I was talking – um, another group chat, one of my buddies, and we were talking about Roseman. And they were talking about. It. I said, you know, basically what he is. They're talking about the cap. He's a bean counter. He's a bean counter. Knows how to move money around and everything. But when it comes to actually, you know, looking at talent, I think he gets mesmerized by where the person played or s- there's something because value. He yeah. always he. Howie strikes me as the guy that will be like, like when Jalen Ramsey got traded. He doesn't want to be the guy that somebody may say he gave up too much. He's so interested in being the, oh, man, how did Howie pull that one? He's drunk with that versus getting good players. Like, you see it. Like, he's drunk with just trading back to trade back. No, get the player. Get the player you like. No, we had great value moving back. No, you did not. All your value picks are gone. Get the players. I started talking about it last year. I started talking about two years. How long does the Super Bowl leash last for Roseman? I mean, I know it lasts a long time for Doug Peterson. He'll get more than this year. But Howie Roseman's leash should have been gone last year. As soon as DK Metcalf broke out last year, and I don't like talking about that anymore because it's just a topic it's over-talked about. But as soon as DK Metcalf broke out, he should have been done. Well... It, it, it was just the end of the straw. And we as a city do not hold our GMs to a high enough standard. You look at all three, because I, I don't even know who the Flyers GM is off the top of my head. Chuck but you look Fletcher. at the other three sports, Chuck Clintac, Brand, and, and Roseman. When Elton Brand's the best GM of those three, we've got an issue in this city with our GMs. Well, the, we're not holding them the, accountable. The other issue with... That draft, it's not even DK Metcalf, before that, when they traded up in front of the Texans to take Dillard, who the Texans wanted Dillard, they went up, they took him. Texans got Titus Howard, who's looking pretty good for them. I know the Texans aren't playing very well, but he's looking pretty good. So, I don't know. It's... What is he doing in the room? Like, having the final say doesn't mean... Do y'all cuss on here? Kinda. Yeah, somewhat. Uh, we dropped a few words okay. here there. It doesn't mean squat if um if you're picking the wrong people, Howie. Like 
He strikes me as like the people will be like, hey, DK Metcalf, height, weight, speed, uh, got a personality to him, but I'm telling you, he's he's legit. Where where he's at right now, we gotta get him. How he's like, ooh, the kid Stanford. Um, I like him. Comes from a good family, a good program. We got Zach Ertz from there. Let's go with uh, uh, JJ Ortega Whiteside. Yeah. That's what always strikes me at. And Don't listen to your people. Just go off of what you want and just be done with it. I would I would love for them, like Jeffrey Larry, to come down and say, Howie, remember that corner office that Chip Kelly put you in? Go back over there. Uh, we're going to have a uh, clean out your office. Go we're back have... to locker room maintenance yeah, or whatever we're... it was his title was. I would, love, I would love for them to get a guy like Lewis Riddick. Who is so smart? You're stealing my lines again. No, I'm I put saying, that out there like three days ago. I know. I love Lewis Riddick. But you heard that Lewis and Howie don't get along. That was like when Riddick left, he was throwing shade at Howie because he said Howie was the problem when Lewis was head of personnel. Like Howie thought his itch don't stink. He was good with Lori, and he would give people a hard time. So I don't. I, I would think, love Riddick. But I just I don't think see how it would work. Job. I do because there was an in the off at the end of last season when GM jobs became available, he said flat out, "I'm not even going on interviews. I'm choosing like when it, when I'm going to be very choosy about who I even interview with." So he's very selective. If he's going to go back into a front office, he's only going to do it in certain situations. And I really think he wants to come here for that because he wants to prove that Howie was doing it the wrong way because of that animosity. I don't know if it was animosity, really. But what is even Howie's title? Is Howie a GM or is he a vice president? He's both. He's the president and GM of the team. He makes all the personnel decisions. He has to be vice president. Like, we need a buffer. Like He could be, I was thinking, he could be the CFO, the chief financial officer. He can run the money. But yeah. outside the money... He doesn't know anything. What he should be I doing? I wonder if Lori legit feels that way. If he if he's looking and he's like, I gotta do something, or he's like, Howie will fix it. I wonder what is in Lori's like. He has to be embarrassed with what he's seeing. Picks off offense is looking good, looking great, and defense look good, looking great, and his. He's constantly losing players, and they're doing better. I wonder how Lori feels. Lori wants to make money. Yeah. That's all. Lori and that's cares what Howie does. He doesn't care about. He, he got his one title, which matters in his you know Hollywood circles and everything. But all he does is cares about making money. Making the playoffs every year makes you money. The thing is, you know, Lord- tanking for five years and stinking to get one Super Bowl does not make you the money that. You know, that's why he kept Andy Reid for so long. Because they were consistently in the playoffs. They were consistently a, a good team. And that playoff revenue is so big. That's all Lori wants is that money. But the, the, the other thing that I think that gets you know overshadowed is with the whole league. Like the general manager's position, I just feel like it's a, oh, a good old boy. I, I'm, you, know, it, you don't give people chances. I don't think enough people get you know, chances. And it goes with all the opportunities in the, in the NFL. And I think that's Speak a big reason. You, you have so many talented people, whether it's GMs, presidents, you know, head coaches, you know, people that are going for those positions that don't get the chances, like a Lewis Riddick that I know he may have some chances, but it even goes to the head coaching opportunities of like a guy like, you know, Eric Bieniemy and stuff like that, that, you know, there's no 
there's no chances, but these people are so smart, yet they get pushed over. And your thing, but the, your thing with Jeffrey Lurie, I think he cares, but he's not at a at a effect of he cares like Jerry Jones in terms of he wants to run that team. He wants to put his hands have to be on the blueprint. His hands have to be involved in everything. He sits back and he trusts guys like Howie and trusts the other the other people in that. So I think that's where you know he wants to win. He doesn't want to just make money. He wants to make money too, of course, but he trusts the guys that he doesn't want to get involved. Like he had to get involved with the Chip Kelly thing. But I think and Doug, I think that's what it's going to take. I, it's going to take for because remember on social media what Eagles fans were saying. We we're not going to a game. People weren't showing up. People were burning jerseys. And he's really conscious of that stuff. And I think that's what it's going to take. That's why when people trust me, they see the ads when you be like at Eagles, Howie Roseman stinks. I'm not coming to another game. Uh, you suck. Blah 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 blah. He sees all that. It's people that work for him that watch the social media and see their Q rating and be like, hey, among the fans, we're pissed. But we're such a passionate fan base that if you're an owner in this town, we're going to support our teams. Yeah. It's just no fan base like Philadelphia. We're we're going to support, and that's where you're going to get the revenue. It's just how much he'll be willing to put up with not seeing the revenue that he's used to seeing. Yeah, and you know, I, and I think there's a little bit of the whole, and we mentioned it on a couple shows, the whole power struggle with Doug and Howie. I think there's a little bit Doug wanting more involvement that I don't think he's getting. But you know, time t- time will tell with that. Doug, but, Doug's never mentioned wanting personnel decisions. I've never heard him say that once. But I didn't want it. But I bet you he's like, fuck, J- forget JJ. <laughs> and I don't we don't here, you know. I bet you he's like, I bet you he was like, yo, who's JJ? Like, where's DK? Like, you put a list of wide receivers in front of me, and I told you I want DK. Like, I think he don't want personnel like Andy, but like, hey, um, we got DK, we got JJ. Hey, uh, DK's a dog. I want him. Yeah, but JJ's uh, less of a personality, low maintenance. Uh, he could possibly be Alshon's replacement. You know, this- And I bet you Doug's like, I don't want Alshon's replacement. I want a number one wide receiver. It's, it, and that's what Seattle has right now. It, it, it's funny because it's almost like uh, the tw- I think it was 2010 draft. You know, the whole it's Seattle and the Eagles again with the whole Earl Thomas, Brandon Graham thing and how, you know, that kept year by year, everyone kept bringing that up. People are going to keep bringing that, this up. But uh, I want to give a couple of uh, shout outs. One to uh, Last Out Media. Um, you know, they... Uh, stream our show on Fridays. Uh, I know you're in connection with them. I know you have your show, uh, Real Prince Blue. Um, and you follow uh, Prince Blue at, at Real Prince Blue on Twitter. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out to them because of everything they do, the team they got there, uh, great people. Uh, we appreciate all the support they give us, all the support they give all the podcasts. Uh, you can visit their website. Uh, lastoutmedianetwork.com Today is International Podcast Day. I don't know if anybody knew that. There's an International, I did. I international did. Podcast Day. Shout out to France. I got somebody who likes to listen to me in France. Yeah, we got a couple of people that listen yep. in other countries too. It's awesome. I got friends it's all great. over the world right now, so it's good. 
It's awesome. It's the beard, man. It's the beard. It is. I didn't have this, though, back when I met all these international I was a DJ on a cruise ship for a few years, so you know, I got people all over the world that are listening, you know? But we also uh, just dropped. I know uh, Phil posted it today, uh, made a design, Bad Things Happen in Philly shirt. Uh, we had to, you know, jump on the bandwagon. Everyone you else got to. You got so, to. Uh, shirts pay the bills. Exactly. So uh, we got that up. Walking CBD on the air does not pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just going to hawk it a little bit more. That's okay. But um, like I said, we want to uh, thank at Hemp Bombs for, for uh, being go. the uh, CBD Official provider. CBD sponsor. Of of the AAT birds. Um, as I said, you can follow myself at JohnnyU9322. You can follow Phil at Beard of Knowledge. Uh, you can follow our <laughs> co-host Jeff Warner, who is not on, uh, at Jeff Warner NFL. You can follow Prince Blue at Real Prince Blue. Uh, he'll keep you entertained on Twitter for sure. So uh, definitely. Read the act. Always read, read the, the act. It is, absolutely. Um, but, uh, and you can follow. All about the birds at AAT Birds, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube channel, um, and AAT Birds. We will be live Sunday night, right when the clock hits zero. It will be late. Big Eagles win. And uh, so that's hopefully, definitely get the the big W. Well, I, we need to talk about a post game W. We need one of those. Guess a refresher. Some we nice, haven't had one yet. We haven't. Some positivity, but. Go birds. But with that, exactly. The way we always end this show, a little bit of Go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds, baby. All right, we're clear. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Anytime, man. Anytime. I I keep forgetting it's not my show, so I can't, like, just think you could just curse on everybody's show. Somebody dropped an F-bomb on, like, one of our first shows. I forget who it was. (laughs) Do what you gotta do. Do it. You feel what's about to happen on this field, man? We gonna get into it. We got to take it. Get out there and do it.